Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. This is Wall Builders Live, where we talk about today's hottest topics on policy and faith and the culture. We always do that from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. You can learn more about us at our two websites. The first one is wallbuilderslive.com. It's our radio site. There you can find a list of our stations across the country that air the program. You can also get archives of the program over the last few months. If you missed out on any of those Fridays, make sure you go get those Good News Fridays. They are fantastic for encouragement, letting you know that we can win in this culture. We can actually restore our constitutional republic and the biblical foundations of our nation. We do it a little bit at a time, one person to another in our communities and our states and our nation. So be sure and check out wobblerslive.com and listen to some of those Good News Fridays. You might also enjoy those Foundations of Freedom Thursday programs. That's where we take your questions. And if you're thinking of some this week as we do our Thanksgiving special programming, you can send those questions in to radio at wallbuilders.com. That's radio at wallbuilders.com. Also, Monday through Wednesday, we have our interviews with some outstanding people across the nation that are on the front lines fighting for our freedom. Sometimes it's a U.S. senator or a congressman, a state legislator. Often it's an attorney that is arguing in the courtrooms and winning those battles, defending our religious liberties and our other freedoms. And sometimes it's someone just like you and your community that was willing to stand up for freedom. So be sure and check out all of that programming Monday through Friday. And also go to wallbuilders.com where you can help us continue that great programming. You can make it possible for us to bring that programming to more communities across the country. You can come alongside us and be a partner of Wall Builders. Just to be blunt with you, this doesn't happen without donations from folks just like yourself. There are so many great people across the country that give to Wall Builders to make this possible. We are a listener-supported program, so it's those donations that make us make it possible for us to even be on the air and also make it possible for us to do all the other programs that we do, our leadership programs for young people, our, our pastors programs that we do in Washington, D.C. and across the nation. So many other things we do. You can see all of that at wallbuilders.com. And you can get a lot of those great materials at wallbuilders.com as well. A ton of free information and articles available for you right there. And then also some great DVDs and, and curriculum and books and things you can use in your Sunday school class and in your home to equip and inspire the people around you to help restore America's constitutional republic. All of it is made possible by your donations. So I'd encourage you to go to wallbuilders.com or wallbuilderslive.com today. You can make a one-time donation and maybe just help us through these uh, last couple of months of the year, or maybe you want to become a monthly donor, and that's wonderful for us. It helps us to plan throughout the year and know what's coming. So you can do that at wallbuilders.com or wallbuilderslive.com. And it may just be, you know, five bucks a month. Give up one cup of coffee a month expensive cup of coffee, but nonetheless, that's what it costs these days to get a nice cup of coffee. Give up one cup of coffee a month, or maybe you can do more than that. Whatever you can do, visit Wobblers or wobblerslive.com today and make that donation. We're going to jump right in where we left off yesterday. This is a Thanksgiving special. David and Tim Barton on TBN, they got to travel and go to some really cool sites and the history of the pilgrims and, and, and the history of Thanksgiving here in America, and they're sharing that with you. It's actually a television special, but we're sharing the audio with you here on Wobblers Live. If you'd like to watch the entire program, we have links for you at wallbuilderslive.com. Let's pick up right where we left off yesterday with David and Tim Barton. As everybody who's ever had a garden or everybody who's ever done any kind of farming or paid attention in any kind of earth science knows, if you don't have rain, your crops aren't going to grow. And they recognize with no crops, we're not going to survive. 
And so what happened at that point was they set aside a day for fasting. They said, if we don't get rain, if we don't get God to send rain, we're going to be in real trouble. And they started praying and clouds gathered and a gentle rain started falling on the crops. An Indian came to them and said, we just saw that. We saw you pray and fast. We saw your God answer. We don't get that kind of rain this time of year. We don't get gentle rains. If we get rains, it's a destructive kind of storm. The stuff that goes with hail that beats the crops down. I want to know your God. And literally, God answering their prayer caused that Indian to want to become a Christian as a result. And so that time of fasting actually led to another annual tradition. Well, this is something that the Pilgrims really were responsible for two traditions, very influential in the New England area. Many colonies embrace this as every spring, they would do prayer and fasting days or, or governors would do prayer and fasting proclamations. And then every fall, they would do prayer and thanksgiving proclamations or, or days of prayer and thanksgiving to thank God for what he'd done. And this is just, again, another little glimpse of the impact of the pilgrims. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. After the final victory at Yorktown, the Continental Army awaited the outcome of peace negotiations with Great Britain. Pastor Israel Evans, a chaplain in the Army, proposed to George Washington that they build a structure where church services could be held during the months of waiting. Washington approved the plan and urged his officers to ensure that the soldiers attended service. Pastor Evans further knew, if we were to secure the liberties they had fought for, sound education would be crucial. He declared, Every parent and every friend to the freedom of his country ought to be attentive to the improvement of our youth in the principles of freedom and good government. And then the people will stand fast in their liberty for a long time. Our schools today need to return to teaching the principles of freedom and good government in order for America to survive and prosper. For more information about Pastor Israel Evans and other colonial patriots, go to wallbuilders.com. We're outside the Jenny Museum. Actually, behind this is the Plymouth Gristmill, which a lot of pilgrim activity happened here. And as we're talking about Thanksgiving, there's really nobody better to talk about this than with Leo Martin. So, Leo, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, as we talk about the pilgrims, there's a lot of things that Americans don't know, and certainly you are very familiar with. And so I would love to, to kind of get an understanding from you of maybe who the pilgrims were and, and, and some of their story. What we like to do with the museum is we talk about the pilgrims, 102 people that came on the Mayflower, 51 die in the first winter. So we talk about how 51 people changed the world as we know it today. And they didn't just change it in one area, they changed it because of their faith. And their faith ran through the whole story. Yeah. And they valued their faith, they valued their family, they valued property ownership. And all this comes into play as we stand in front of the site of the oldest mill in the United States, built in 1636. That is the beginning of capitalism in our country. The gentleman that built that mill, a man named John Jenny, uh, is the first person in the country to be paid for a service. He was paid to run the mill. Now, who would have paid him for that? Well, here's the way that worked. When our pilgrims originally came to Plymouth, their economic situation was communal. And of course, that means that everybody on the plantation worked in the same field and grew their food. And at the end of the season, they simply evenly split with each other what they produced. Sounds fair enough. And of course, it didn't work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, why? Yeah, that seems odd that socialism doesn't work. Well, go figure. Right? Yeah, the problem we have today, I believe, is we don't look back at history and learn. 
Sure. Socialism doesn't work. So three years into the adventure, we've lost half our population. Everybody's starving. So William Bradford changed the deal. He says, now we're going to go to land ownership. Every family will own their own land, grow the food, feed themselves, and then simply trade with each other what they had left over. Of course, we call that free trade. Sure. Well, and this prevented some of the people, because Bradford even wrote about how people would fake sickness and injury, and, and they wouldn't work and be productive. At this point, you don't have an option not to work and be productive. Exactly right. Or you're not going to survive. Exactly. So it, it really kind of forces people to be productive for themselves, which certainly is a biblical thought that we need to have individual responsibility and, and be producers. But Bradford seems to follow this biblical notion away from communal into private responsibility. But the problem now is all families are going out and working for themselves and producing and then trading with one another. Well, by 1636, we had over 500 people in Plymouth. Uh, to grind corn with a mortar and pestle, a hollow log where you crush the corn in the cornmeal, was not efficient. So this gentleman called John Jenny said, look, I'll, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a mill, and I'll grind corn for everybody. But now here's the problem. He can't go out in the field and work. Right, right. Had to be paid. So he was the first person in the country to be paid, but he wasn't paid money. He was paid corn. Money had no value in play. Sure. What, what are you going to buy with it? Exactly. Yeah. What are you going to do with money? The corn was the money. Every time he ground a, corn, a bushel of corn, he got two quarts. That was he got paid. That was called a pottle. If he charged more than that, he'd be removed from the mill. So not only did we start free trade, we started regulations. Okay. Go figure. Yeah, I know. Okay. But, you know, we're all human beings, so not okay, so we have to be checked. And so they checked John Jenny. But again, it's such an important thing sure. that this mill was built for the purposes to satisfy a capitalistic system. Where again, you're standing on the site of the original Plymouth Plantation. The plantation was built right here. Right over here was Harbor Marks Village, the Indian Village. Right there was the plantation. So we're standing right here. And why did the Pilgrims stay here? Because of the river. Sure. That river, they, you know, they didn't land here in the beginning. They landed on the tip of Cape Cod. Right. Well, that's all sand, not a great spot for a plantation. So what they did is took a little boat, a shallop, and they explored Cape Cod, found the river and stayed here, simply because that river gave them three things they had to have. The first was water power. The name of the river is Town Brook, and it's a mile and a half long. But in a mile and a half, it drops 80 feet. Good place to put a mill. Wow. Such a good place. We had 14 mills on the river within a mile and a half. Again, this one, the Jenny Mill, is the site of the oldest mill in the country. Uh, the second thing, if it never rained in Plymouth again, the water level will never drop. The river is spring-fed. We have a constant flow of water coming wow. out of the ground. Yeah. Now, the ground in Plymouth has sand in it. When the water comes up through the sand, it is filtered. It does run into the river fresh drinking water. So they got drinking water and water power. But, you know, sand's not good for filtering. It's good for filtering, not good for growing corn. Right. Uh, so they had to fertilize heavily. The river supplied that. Our fertilizer of fish. We call them herring. Yes. Herring live in the ocean, but when they spawn, they spawn up in our pond. Every spring, they migrate by the mill, pilgrims take them out of the river, put them in the ground, fertilize, and grow the corn. Now, was the fertilization something they learned from the Indians? They learned from Squanto. Okay. As a matter of fact, William Bradford did refer to him as a special gift from God. But the point is this. When people come to Plymouth, they either believe or are told that the uh, pilgrims stole the land from the Indians. They did not. The Indians did not want the land. They would not come back on it because of the plague. So the pilgrims took land. Nobody wanted everything after that. They paid for it to the chief, Massasoit. 
So the idea that we stole land is not correct. And, and certainly, historically, I mean, there were times land was stolen. That's just not something the pilgrims did. No. So although Anglos, I mean, you know, surely we can see historically there were times when there was abuses. The pilgrims were so different, again, motivated by their faith. Correct. But because of their faith, they operated so differently. I mean, we, we mentioned economics, but even this notion of private property, they weren't stealing from the Indians because they thought that was ungodly. That was unbiblical. You're not supposed to do that. That's exactly right. Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity. If you're interested in having a Wall Builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. All right, we are sitting in what ultimately was the birth of the free market system in America, the first privately owned business. We are in Aptuxet, and this is a trading post that was started by the Pilgrims. Now, they've been under contract with over in Europe, the Virginia company, as, as they're coming to America, right? And, and the king says, you can live in Virginia, nowhere else. And they don't make Virginia, they land Cape Cod, they finally get up to Plymouth. But part of the contract of them coming by permission of the king, was they were going to have to work and pay off essentially their indentured to be able to come to America. This was something very different than that. Yeah, the, the investors that sponsored them to come said, okay, we'll take care of your voyage. We'll care, take care of everything. All you do is give us everything you make for the next seven years. Oh, that's all. That's all. all, all you give us do. everything. No big deal. Just everything that you make for seven years. Seven years. And, but the pilgrims, Although they lost their economic freedom to do that, they got their religious freedom, and for them, that was a trade they were willing to make. So they said, for our religious freedom, for not being persecuted, we'll do that. So they get here, but the Virginia colony over in England is not doing as well as it needs to, and they've got all this investment over here now. People are dying. And so the pilgrims renegotiate that contract, said, we'll just buy off everything that we have left to pay to you. And it came as a good deal for the pilgrims. So now the pilgrims are free from owing anything to anyone else. They now have their own debt. It's kind of like you got your own mortgage in your own hands. And so at this point, they start getting into free market enterprise. They, they start building things like this, where they can trade with the Dutch, they can trade with the Wampanoags, they've got furs they can trade, and they've got all sorts of stuff. And they can start making income that goes into their pockets not into the pockets of those back home. So this is the first, literally the first business that what you make doesn't go to the king. You get to keep what you make. Yes, yeah, so, so where it's private, and, and again, kind of a novel concept because every other colony at that point in America, right, in the New World, you had to give what you made to the company that sponsored you, to the king. You didn't need to own stuff. And so 
this is the first time somebody's actually owning something. And then the pilgrims were really amazing. So the pilgrims actually almost like franchise this idea and they start building other trading posts where they're now becoming very profitable. And actually, we're pretty much the most profitable colony per capita of all of the English colonies. And, and by the way, d that concept of franchising this, that couldn't have been done under the king because if Great Britain's at war with Spain, you cannot trade with any Spaniards. Or if we're at war with France, these guys could choose who they wanted to trade with. And they could do things no other company was doing. So not only can they be profitable, as you said, they franchise it and they're expanding this out. Not only do we have people working for themselves, we have people being able to enjoy all of the profit from what they are doing. And grand, I mean, you mentioned there's kind of like a mortgage. They're paying off that final debt. But now they're the ones in charge of what they are doing. And so they actually do become very successful doing this. And this really is the birth of the free enterprise of capitalism in America is right here in this trading post. There are so many firsts that go back to the pilgrims. And yes, we celebrate Thanksgiving. We remember the pilgrims from Thanksgiving. But very rarely do we sit out on Thanksgiving and say, I am so grateful for the pilgrims because of the free enterprise system. But that's another first that we can look to the pilgrims and say, thank you. Thank you for implementing those principles and changing all of the nation, including our lives today. I would really say this is probably just one more aspect of America's hidden history. So we're looking at Thanksgiving, and here we are in Plymouth, the home of the Pilgrims. And the Pilgrims actually came into this harbor behind us and they came ashore. And once they got ashore, they wanted to build a town. And so as they did, they created a street in that town. And at the end of the street is where we're standing right now. This is Burial Hill. Yeah, there's actually a lot of people buried on this hill from the Pilgrims. In fact, a lot of names we might even recognize. Certainly the name Governor William Bradford. We'd recognize that name. Well, he's buried just behind us. There's a big marker honoring him, recognizing him. Then there's people like Elder William Brewster, who was the leader of the church for the Pilgrims. He and his family are buried here. But as you can see, this is an elevated location. So this is also the hill on which they built their fort. It's a great position to be able to see what's going on around them. And inside that fort is where they really met for the first church. So here on this hill, there's a lot of historic aspects of the pilgrims. So after the pilgrims landed there in the harbor and they came ashore there at Plymouth Rock, they needed a place to live. And they started walking up toward the hill there as they walked up toward Hill, which we now call Burial Hill, they built this street. They laid this out, and this is where they started building their first houses. Now, Leyden Street is called that today because Leyden is the place in Holland that welcomed them and gave them religious liberty. But they called it First Street or maybe Main Street. So this is the longest and continual use street in America. This street was built in 1620. They built this before Christmas of 1620, and it's been in constant use now for nearly four centuries. The oldest street in use in America was the street built by the pilgrims. So we're thinking of Wyden Street. Actually, at the end of the street is the base of Burial Hill, and that's where the first fort was. It's actually where the, the Pilgrim's first church was. And we're standing in front of a church right now. 
that has its roots all the way back to the Pilgrims of 1620. This church was built in 1899, so a few years after the Pilgrims, but the congregation actually, the, the foundation, their roots go all the way back to the Pilgrims. Yeah, this has been a continuous congregation since 1620. And what the Pilgrims did in their congregation was they really got church and state right. Because if you remember back in Europe, church and state were the same thing. Whoever the, the civil leader was, was the spiritual leader. And whatever the king or queen said, that's what we're gonna do for theology. When they got here, they said, not us. They elected their civil leaders differently from their church leaders. So they elected John Carver as their governor. He's their civil leader, but they elect their spiritual leaders as well. And by the way, they were into accountability. They had civil elections every single year. They wanted to make sure their church leaders and their state leaders were accountable to them. And so what they did was they separated the two and made sure government could not run the church or tell church people what they could and couldn't do. Well, they also never believed in the idea of government being secular either. The Pilgrims were incredibly religious. In fact, their governor was in church with them every Sunday. Mm -hmm. So it was never an idea that we need to secularize government. It just recognized that government has a role and the role of government is not to run the spiritual duties and tell Christians what they can and can't do and where they have to go to church and the things that they're not allowed to talk about in religion. The same way, the religious leaders weren't telling the government, well, these are exactly the policies you have to have, and if people don't come to our church, you put them in jail. No, they were separate institutions, but they never believed in them being secular. That was the right way to do separation in church and state. The pilgrims were so driven, motivated by their faith and everything they did, and we've talked about that they remembered and thanked God, and they had times of prayer, uh, shaped their economic system. What about, what about government? Because we often hear that, that the pilgrims, they would hold elections every year. And so, so did faith shape the way they, they viewed governments? Absolutely. For example, we, our governor was William Bradford. Who was the preacher here? William Brewster. William Brewster raised William Bradford. Theologically, they were exactly the same, but not one of them could hold both jobs at the same time. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you, you remove religion. You can't. Right. If you remove Christianity, for example, there's going to be another religion. Sure. And, and so you can't do that. Sure. Uh, so the religion stayed in it. And I like to tell people we are a Christian nation based on Christian principles. That does not mean you have to be a Christian to reap the benefits of that society. Sure. All it means is that because we have Christian law, biblical law, everybody is equal under that law. Right. Now, if you don't want biblical law and you want me to set the law, you got a problem. Sure. Because I'll set it today and next week I'll change it in my faith. Without that biblical law, without that truth, without that constant, you cannot have a civil government. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. Founding fathers John Adams and Thomas Jefferson originally worked closely together, but later became ardent opponents. This troubled Dr. Benjamin Rush, a signer of the Declaration, who knew both of them very well. In the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.18 tells us that God has given each of us the ministry of reconciliation. Dr. Rush believed this and set out to bring the two back together. It took a while, but Adams and Jefferson once again became close friends. And looking back on his role in helping bring about this reconciliation, Dr. Rush stated, It will give me pleasure, as long as I live, to reflect that I have been in any degree instrumental in affecting this reunion of two souls destined to be dear to each other and motivated with the same dispositions to serve their country, though in different ways. For more information about Dr. Benjamin Rush and his other remarkable achievements, go to wallbuilders.com.
here at the base of Leiden Street. Actually, the harbor is just right there. And I am here with Mike Scabilio, who is, I, I guess, somebody that works with the Leiden Historical Preservation Society. And so behind us is a pretty significant location for a house. So explain what is this house behind us? This is the first house of the United States of America. It's a nationally listed house and it's tons of great history. So, so when the pilgrims get here and, and they have to build a place to live to survive, mm. this is the first location where they built. Yeah, first foundation right here. This is where Peace Treaty with the Wampanoags was signed. This is where William Bradford and um, his crew of 51 who survived the first winter they um, would come back and forth between the Mayflower at first when they were first building it. It's where the Mayflower compact was stored and it's really cool. So th this is huge historically. Okay, so what all happened in this house? Ultimately, this is where government was established. The peace treaty with the Native Americans was signed here. Okay, now wait a second. So peace treaty, like I understand peace treaty, but generally we don't think back early America there being a peace treaty. So, mm. so the pilgrims had a peace treaty with the Indians. Yeah. What, what was that for? What was it about? Because I mean, they didn't really have war with the Wampanoags, did they? It was a very peaceful relationship that they had with the Wampanoags. And through the desire to spread the gospel, which was ultimately at the heart of Bradford and most of these pilgrims, it was really all about loving them and um, learning how to operate together in society with different backgrounds, different understandings, but ultimately about peace and its longest lasting peace treaty. Because we often hear about the terrible relations between the Anglos and the Indians, but the pilgrims are totally different. The pilgrims, and, and I would argue like largely because they're Christian faith, right? right because right. it was the morals that drove them right. to do what they did. But, but because of that, they respected humanity. Right you know, individuals. And, and, and so the pilgrims were just so good on issues, mm -hmm. whether it be the civil rights and the race relations, but especially you look at the Indians and it's yeah. pretty awesome. So speaking of their faith, yeah. so I, I know they would do sometimes prayer meetings or Bible studies. Would that happen in this house yeah. too? So yeah, this is where the first prayer meeting in, in America started. This is where um, the pilgrims gathered together and prayed for us today here in America. Friends, we're out of time for today. That was the second part in a three-part special series this week of Thanksgiving, and the third part will be tomorrow. You can actually get part one if you missed it yesterday, and part two if you tuned in halfway through today, both available at our website right now at wallbuilderslive.com. And then tomorrow we'll have the third part in this special series available. We'll pick up tomorrow on Thanksgiving Special with David and Tim Barton. Thanks for listening to Wallbuilders Live. Stand undivided